0: So today, I wanted to talk about fathers, but I want to bring in a slightly different angle, but I want to give us a little bit of context. First of all, if two out of three, virtually two out of three marriages are failing today and have been for decades, it means that there's a lot of real present fathers in homes with children. Isn't that logical? That therefore also causes many people not to want to get married if it's doomed to fail. So if people don't have faith for it; they rather would not get into it, and they will just rather cohabit. Just let's live together, see how it goes, without too much commitment, because I always want to get out if I want to. And so again, we don't have an ever-present commitment of somebody to say, "I'm here always. You can depend on me." Then you take South Africa, a nation that was ravaged by a, a systematic ideology of separation called apartheid. And that caused a lot of damage because we literally, when I say we, although I didn't choose per, like personally, but the, the, basically the system decided to cause certain people to live in a certain area but yet, if they needed work, they had to come and work in this area where these people could pay them. And, and if they wanted to go and work, they could go and work over there. And so we separated families, and they caused a just generation after generation after generation of fatherlessness. Now, Jesus said something amazing. If you read John 14 to John 17, <clears throat> excuse me. he says, when people are complaining about how badly people are behaving... Behaving. Excuse me. (laughs) Let's try again. When people were saying, but look how they're behaving. Twice, Jesus says this. The reason that they do that is because they have not known the Father. That's what Jesus said. The reason people are behaving like that is because they have not known the Father. That helps me. I want to tell you, friends, that helps me be more patient with people when they do crazy, stupid, horrible, ugly things. The reason is their hearts don't know the Father. Who's going to show the world the Father? Like Susan said, who is going to show the world the Father? Particularly where we live in South Africa. So where are the fathers is the phrase that I want to use. God is revealed to us by Jesus. If you want to know what God the Father is like, you just got to look at Jesus. You can tell anybody that. If a person says, I don't know what God's like, how can I believe in God? You say, if you look at Jesus, you'll see what God is like. That's how you know what He's like. So no one is without an excuse because we can read about Him. But right at the outset... I want to say that God is not male, God is not female, God is spirit, in him is male and female, but he has chosen the paradigm of family to relate to us, so we can understand the dynamics of who he is and how he operates, and family is that paradigm that he has chosen to reveal himself to the world. So Jesus came to talk about God as the Father, and I am the Son. I'm the Son of Man, but I'm the Son of God. We who believe in Christ, we who have been saved by grace, where Jesus is both our Lord and our Savior, we have been adopted into this amazing family of God. We have been literally plucked out of nothingness and put into this family where we belong. Our identity, our belonging, and our purpose Our position is within this secure, rock-solid family where God is our Father. And so today being Father's Day, I'd like to remind us of what God our Father is like. And I want to go through five points about what God our Father is like. Why? Not just so that we can know who He is, so that we can know the calling He places upon us to reveal who He is to the world and to help Father a fatherless world. So the text for today is 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 4. Let me go back because I want to give you a bit of context before I read that. So this little bit of context. Paul is writing this. He says, he says, I'm a steward of God's calling to be an apostle. And he's writing to the church in Corinth. And he says, I'm, I'm called to preach Christ and this glorious gospel. And I'm called to father you. I'm called to raise you up, to see you mature in God. But he's writing to a church who are giving him a hard time. You know, when you're trying to do good to people, not everybody applauds you and is grateful. And these guys were giving him a hard time. So he starts to say things like this, What's so, sp- and I'm going to paraphrase a few things, what's so special about you? He says to them, what do you have that you did not receive? That's always a great phrase to remind yourself. What do you have that you did not receive? A child is someone who is given love. They are given a home. They are given food, they are nurtured, they are given clothes, they are given a cot to sleep in, they are given a family. They didn't earn it, they didn't deserve it. What do you have that you weren't given? And so he reminds them, don't be so boastful and arrogant and proud as to to think you are higher than you really are. He says, apparently you already have what you want. Already you've become rich. Without us, you've become kings. He, Paul is very sarcastic here. Yeah? Uh-huh. Paul was hardcore. He, he, he didn't back down from, from challenging people. Saying, you, you say you don't need me. You're a king. You're rich. You don't need me. He's saying, wow, really? He then goes on to say this. I think that God has exhibited us So remember, you're rich and you're a king. He says, but let me tell you about us, us apostles. Let me tell you about us. I think that God has exhibited us as apostles as the very least and last of all. He says, we are like men sentenced to death. Because we have become a spectacle to the world. They laugh at us. We're a spectacle to angels and to men. He says, we we are fools for Christ but you are so wise in Christ. (laughs) He's saying, you really think you're brilliant, aren't you? He's saying, we are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we are in disrepute. Then he says this, to the present hour, we, apostles, we hunger and we thirst. We are poorly dressed. We are buffeted. We are homeless. We labor working with our hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we have grace. We have become and are still like the scum of the earth, the refuse of all things. But you are so wise. Why do I say that? Well, first of all, just as a little side note, maybe some of the, of the very contemporary, glamorous apostles of today should read that portion of what it's like to be an apostle. Just as a side note. Why do I, why do I paint that picture? Because I want you to know his heart. He's saying to you, he's basically saying, it, it's almost like a father speaking to teenagers. It's like you gave them birth, you nurtured them, you paid their school fees. You did everything to try and get them going somewhere. And then they say, ha ha, who are you? Like, I'd rather hang with somebody else. Like, by the way, you know, dad, you think you're wise, but let me tell you what my, what my friend's dad said. It's the same thing, but it's just better coming from him. So Paul's writing to this church and he's saying, you guys think you're amazing and you don't need me. But uh, yet we, we're apostles who are here to serve you. Now, this is where we go. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. See, I've got passion for you in my heart. You're my children, who I saw you, in a sense, come to Christ as a newborn. He says, For though you have countless gods in Christ, you do not have many fathers. You've got countless people who can say, hey, have you thought about this? Hey, try that. Hey, this is a good idea. Hey, when it comes to faith, why don't you try this? But you do not have true fathers. Where are the fathers? Because anybody can be a shining star for a week or a shining star for a month or a shining star for a year. But where are the fathers? Always present. Always consistent. Always loving. Always reliable. Always there. Paul saying, I am one of those fathers. I'm always here for you. Though you say you don't need me. He says, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. He's saying, actually, I want to raise up a whole nation of fathers, people who understand what it's like to be consistent, to to struggle and not give up, to pour out your life for somebody else's well-being, to pay the way for them to flourish and thrive and not wait for accolades, just to give and give and give so that others may prosper. You've got so many guides, he says, but where are the fathers? He then says, that is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. Listen to his language. Timothy is a representation of me. He's understood what it's like. He's growing up to be a father. I've sent him to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. And I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people But their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. He's saying anybody can have a big mouth. Anybody. Anybody can shout their mouth off about what they've done and what. But where's the fruit? Where's the fruit of the heart of a father? Because if there's no fruit, then surely it's not a heart. It's just a big mouth. And the kingdom of God is not a matter of words and talking. It's a matter of authentic fruitfulness in power and grace and truth. So how do we learn about being a good father? Who do we watch and imitate? Well, we can't, we can't pin all our hopes on humanity. Even, even Paul, as amazing as he was, he made many mistakes. You, can, you could hear his sarcastic tone in that. I mean, it wasn't kind of the way Jesus would speak, was it? Because Paul's just like one of us. But he's trying to get people to understand how important this is. So we can't just learn from each other. Yes, we must, but we've got to pin all of our hopes in Christ. He is the one who revealed the Father to us. So let's go through five points quickly. Number one, a good father speaks words of love and affirms. This, friends, we go, oh, yes, they do. But if we would understand how important this is. It, is, it is, I have no superlatives to describe it. It is so powerful. When young ones continually hear, you are loved. You belong. You've got what it takes. It's inside of you. It might be a bit hidden now. You might be a bit confused, but I'm telling you, you've got what it takes. You can do this. Don't give up. Those words of affirmation, those words of love, are what define a person's identity. And when a person's identity is secure, then, and they start to believe, I belong. They start to believe, God is in me. They start to believe, I can do this. Everything changes. But Jesus showed us this in a way where it doesn't become self-belief, it becomes absolute dependence of the, on the Father. Because everything Jesus ever did, He said, I don't do this by myself, I do this, the Father living in me is actually doing His work. I'm reliant upon the Father. Jesus said it like this to us, apart from me, you can do nothing. So there's always this the partnership with God, but the fathers are the ones, and the mothers, because we both, co-laboring in this, but today's Father's Day, so let's focus on the fathers, are the ones who are saying, I love you, even when they're not so lovable, because you and I come to God sometimes, and He says, I love you, even when our behavior hasn't been so lovable, and we, we want God to say, I love you, when we've messed up, don't we? We want that reassurance that we're still okay, we still belong, we're in the family. So do our children need to still hear the words, I love you, no matter what. I won't stop loving you. That's the heart of a father. And those words of affirmation, fathers, speak the words. Speak the words often. That's the only way identity is created. How do we know this? Jesus Matthew 3, 16 to 17. In the river Jordan, Jesus being baptized by John the baptizer. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming to rest on him. And behold, listen to this, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased those are the words of affirmation and love from a father that set up Jesus for his ministry those words were spoken before Jesus did one miracle it was at the beginning you are loved I am with you you can do this that's what a father does next point A good father prepares his family for living well, even when they are no longer going to be there. That's what a good father does. It's not about just having fun while I'm here. It's about I'm pouring into you so that without me, you can thrive and do well. We are setting our, you're setting the people up whom you're fathering for success. You're wanting to share with them all that you have so that they can succeed when you're not there. How do we know this? John 14 to 16, and in fact, John 14 to 17, is where Jesus has these profound dialogues with his disciples, where he's preparing them for when he leaves. That's what a father does. Discipling is fathering and mothering. That's what it is. Discipling, you want to know what, you know when he says, go and make disciples of all nations? He's saying, go and father and mother a fatherless and motherless people who don't know who they are, who don't know where they're going, who don't know if they belong, who don't know love, you go, my children, and do it in the world. And so Jesus prepares his disciples to, from John 14 to John 17, affirming them that they will be secure when he's no longer there. He warns them, I'm going to the Father. I'm not going to be with you, but it's okay. The Spirit of God will be with you. I won't leave you as orphans. You'll be able to. The very works I've been doing, you'll do it, et cetera, et cetera. And he had these conversations, I imagine, with his earthly father when he was growing up, where his earthly father was saying, Jesus, you can cut that wood. I know you can. You you can create that table. I'm training you to be a carpenter. And then with his heavenly father on the mountainside, he was listening to his voice as the father was helping him, guide him through life. But a father isn't there to overcome on our behalf. A father teaches us that we can overcome, but he doesn't step in. This is bad fathering. Let me show you what bad fathering is. Okay, son or daughter, I want you to do this. Why don't you try this? It doesn't matter if they are um, 15, 18, 28, 40. Why don't you try this? And then you watch, and then you watch them making a mistake, and you watch them starting to mess it up. So you say, you know what, you know what, step back, let me do it. That's not good fathering. A good father is helping to prepare them to do it when you're not there. So rather you guide, you open up opportunities, you open up, well, if you do this, this could happen. If you did it that way, this could happen. If you did it this way, this could happen. Now you do it. You make the choice. Let's see how it goes. And I'm here and I'm watching and if you need me, just shout. You see them making a mistake again, you say, hey, by the way, I'm not convinced that's the best option. I can see that this could possibly happen. Even if they say to you, you know what, I've got this, dad. Then then they've got this. Then you've got to stand back and watch them do it. But you're not trying to take over. You're not trying to micromanage. You're preparing them for when you're no longer there. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. That's a good father's heart. Thirdly, A good father enhances the lives of those he's fathering with his own life. He enhances their life with his life. So with his energy, with his wisdom, with his knowledge, with his resources, you are enhancing their life so that they will grow to a place where they thrive and where they prosper. John 17 teaches us that God the Father is the source of eternal life. What is eternal life? It's good that we know what it is. You see, eternal life is another type of life beyond human life. It's beyond the the scope of our own natural ability to live life. And Jesus is the giver, the dispenser of this eternal life. He came to release it on planet earth. And he who abides in God abides in this eternal life. It's not a reward for doing anything. It's not a reward for praying nicely. It's not a reward one day when you die, you'll get eternal life. Eternal life is living in the very life of God by abiding in Him and and Him abiding in you. That is eternal life. Another way Jesus said is this, and this is eternal life. And He defines it exactly. That they, that you may know the Father and Jesus, the Son whom He has sent. That's eternal life. So we we have entered into the fullness of eternal life now. We're not waiting for the fullness of eternal life. It is a now time and a now experience. But it is a life that continues to grow and get better and better and better. But we're not waiting for it. I want to say the Father enhanced Jesus' life with His life and His resources. And we as fathers are called to enhance the lives of those we have with our life. So let me just go back to this eternal life thing for a moment. And I want to challenge us a bit. I want to say the following. There is nothing, zip, zero, nothing, that you do on planet Earth, outside of the reality of this eternal life, that will last forever. In fact, everything that we do outside of this eternal life is just burnt up like ashes. You know, sometimes you watch somebody start a business and they're just flying and it's going so well and it's amazing. It's like, it's like just prospering and they're employing more people and it's growing. And you know what it's like? It's like, you know, when you start a fire on a cold winter's night and it's going, and there's just beautiful flames and the flames are jumping and the, there's warmth and there's heat and it's amazing. And I love fires. Chris and I love fires. <laughs> then, after a few hours, if you don't nurture that fire, what happens? That thing which was raging is now this little bit of orange glow. And you come back in the morning, and it's just a heap of gray ash. I want to say to you this. When our relationships are not, are not sourced out of the eternal life of the Father, they are just temporal, and they are poor. When our businesses and our business life is not sourced out of the eternal life of the Father, it's not eternal. It's a raging fire one minute, it's ashes the next. Anything we do on planet Earth that is not sourced by the eternal life of God the Father, who sources us through Christ, and we get to share in this eternal life, it's nothing. So I want to say this, fathers. You want a Father by the source of the eternal life of God, abiding in Him. You want to do business by the eternal life of God, abiding in Him. Anything in life, anything. You want to go on holiday by the eternal life of God. Otherwise, it's just ashes. Sometimes you're so excited about your holiday, it's, it's, it's your great escape, and it's an absolute fail. You want it to be sourced by the eternal life of the Father. Because then, in that holiday, there's meaning, there's meaning and, and, and stuff that will last forever and ever and bring glory to God. So fathering is about sourcing those you're leading with your life. Just like the father sourced Jesus and Jesus sources us, it's about sourcing people with resources and life and energy to thrive. A good father, this is the fourth one, a good father seeks fruitfulness. A good father seeks fruitfulness. I don't know anyone Who wants, um, let me not say it like that. How can I say it? A good father just wants their children to prosper. Let's just say it straight as it is. Uh, You just want them to thrive. You just want it to go well with them. You want them to have a better job than you had, a better house than you had, a car or a better car than you had. If you never had a car, you want them to have a car. You you just want them to do well. A a great marriage, like that's one of the greatest prayers you pray as a parent. Please, Father, may they find someone awesome who loves them and they love each other and, and let it be beautiful. So you want them to do well. And Jesus explains to us what God the Father is like. John 15, he says, Here's the picture. And it's a vine, it's a, it's a vineyard. And he says, I'm the vine, Jesus says, and you disciples are just the branches. In other words, you only have source through me, you can only bear fruit through me. And he says, But my Father, my Father is the vine dresser, he's the one who comes. Because all he wants to do is make sure that you're fruitful. Mm. So if there's a branch that's coming out over here, that's got no fruit on it, and over here there's lots of fruit, if you don't remove that branch, here's what's happening. The xylem and the phloem and all the biology of all that stuff that's going on is still trying to pump stuff into that to get it going. But when you cut it off, All that good stuff now can go where it's supposed to go because it can't regenerate that which is dead. But it still tries. So you minimize the place for it to go and the rest of it starts to prosper more. You cut off the dead branches. This is not a teaching to say, watch out, God's going to throw you into the flames of fire of hell. It's not a teaching. that. He's just saying, I just want you to bear fruit. A father wants fruitfulness. And where there's, so, so how does this pertain to us? Well, a good father comes to their, those they're fathering, and whether it's their own children, whether it's mentoring in the workplace, whether it's friends, when you see a person making a decision where there's deception or there could be possible failure or it's an untruth, it's not a good, it's, it's not a good option, you come like a vine dresser and you say, can I just sit with you and explain to you what could happen if you do that? And what you're doing is you're cutting off the possibility of a dead branch because all you want is fruitfulness. So you, as a good father, are engaged in other people's lives and you're observing and you're caring and you're saying, that could be a waste of good nutrients. Don't let the nutrients go there. It's not going to bear fruit. And from your experience, you want to share that. And then lastly, oh, wait, wait, I want to say this. Here are a few deceptions about the Christian life where we need, fa- we need good fathering. Number one, life will be simple. Some, some young people think they can conquer the world, and that's a good thing. You should think you can conquer the world. But sometimes there's an expectation that because I, I did so well at school, I was a captain of the rugby team, I got an A's, I, I got this, I'm good looking, I'm this, I'm that, I'm a hero. Life will be simple. No, 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 no. Let's cut that branch off. Life won't be simple. At some stage, life's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to wind you, and you, you're going to feel like you can never get up again. But it's okay. We've been there. Let me, sh- let me help shepherd you so that you can bear fruit when that happens. So let's cut that branch off. Life is simple. Another one, relationships are easy. Let's cut that branch off. Relationships are not easy. Relationships are not easy. Relationships are not easy. But we have the source of God who understands us. Let's tap into a source. But let's cut that branch off. No, no. Relationships require beautiful sowing and reaping. Beautiful grace. Beautiful understanding. But you will be so rich when you're in that relationship. Third one. Let's cut this off. Money and riches are worth any sacrifice. Cut the branch off. For he who desires to get rich will pierce himself with many griefs. But a father wants us to prosper. But let's not say, go for it at any cost. No, 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 no. no. Because too many people lose relationships over, over wanting to get rich. So let's father people cutting off those dead branches. And then lastly, a good father is there to the end. To the end. To the end. Seriously, never. A good father never gives up. A father is present, constant, dependable, faithful, safe. know that Jesus lived with absolute confidence that he never acted alone, that his father was always with him. He abided in his father, and his father abided in him. And he knew, my God will never leave me nor forsake me. Fathers abide with their families. In the mentoring space, you don't give up on that that young person at work who you're mentoring, who you're fathering or mothering. You don't give up. You abide. You say, even if you mess up, I'm still here. My door's always open. I'm here. You can rely upon me. The presence, your presence... Your continual presence and availability is one of the greatest gifts you can ever give them. Through it all, in our pain, God the Father is with us. As God was with Jesus, even in His death, God is with us. He doesn't leave. He's a good Father. God was with Jesus in Gethsemane. But notice... He didn't step in and take over. Jesus prayed to him, Father, help me to do this. I don't know if I can do it. If there's any way, take this cup from me. And the Father said, I'm with you. You can do it. It's always there through the pain. On the cross, some people have taught that God the Father turned his face away from Jesus on that cross. Because we take it from, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22. I want to tell you what, and we've taught this before in this church. I think I'll have to teach it again soon. But I want to break that notion. God the Father never left Jesus once. Because a good father never leaves. How do I know that? Listen to what Jesus said in John 16, verse 32. Jesus said to his close disciples, you all are going to scatter away from me. Peter, you're going to deny me, but he says, sorry, and he said, you're going to leave me alone, and then he said these words, but I am never alone, because my Father is always with me. See, that's a Father. When he hung on that cross, and you've all gone away, and you've denied me, and you've left me, I'm not alone. My Father is with me. For the Godhead was pleased to dwell in him. And even on that cross, the Godhead was pleased to dwell in him. But he, but, our, but, but but as a good father, he never, he never took over from Jesus. He just always exhorted him, encouraged him, strengthened him. Didn't take over. So because we, he was. Because that's what a good father does. They don't micromanage, they don't take over. So, in closing, I ask this where are the fathers? Paul said, You have so many guards, so many big mouths, but where are the fathers? And my response is this Here I am, Lord. Use me. Let's stand.